This is our final week of our In and Out series. It's taken us all through the summer, eight weeks on um, spiritual practices, ways that we can create intentional space in our lives to know God deeper, to love God deeper. These were not things that we needed to put on a checklist to say, I need to do all of these things every day in order to become a great Christian. These are ways for you to deepen your desires to see God. Um, We first talked about the practice of worship. We talked about gratitude and Sabbath. Those were two practices from that. Um, In the O of worship, we talked about openness, being open to God. And our practices in that were simplicity and teachability. Um, Week three, we talked about relinquishing our false self or relinquishing idols. We talked about detachment and self-control there. Um, In that S week, we talked about sharing my life, and we talked about hospitality and service practices in there. Um, In the H week, we talked about hearing God's word, which was all about reading the Bible and meditating on it, uh, meditating and memorizing. And then last week, we talked about the I in worship, which is incarnating Christ's love, being a, a reflection of Christ's love. We talked about humility and compassion that week. And so we come to the final letter of our acrostic, which is pray my life. And this is going to be a little bit different because we're going to be able to practice a little bit of the prayers that we're talking about here today. Um, And we're going to be able to not so much talk about what is prayer and why do we pray. We're going to talk a little bit more about prayers that we can practice in our lives. Um, My apologies right from the very beginning. There's a lot of things that I'm going to go through here today. Um, take as many notes as you can. Uh, go back and listen to this message online. Uh, look at the YouVersion Bible app because I'm going to throw a lot of things at you. I've tried to break it down as simply as possible. Um, but when you're talking about prayer, I mean, the, the entire corpus of the Bible itself is prayer. This is, this is our main function uh, as Christians is to uh, be in prayer. It's uh, we, the reason we talk about it last is because it is the entire foundation of our spiritual practices. Um, if you have one of our spiritual practices mag- uh, magnets, you see at the bottom, prayer is the biggest word because it is the one thing that all of these things rest on. That we cannot be in practice with Christ. We cannot be in practice with God if we are not in prayer all the time. And so the practice of prayer we want to talk about today. Um, The great theologian Richard Rohr, who founded the Contemplative Prayer Center, says this, prayer is not primarily saying words of or thinking thoughts. It is rather a stance. It is a way of living in God's presence. So oftentimes we think of prayer as this thing where we just have a laundry list of items to give to God and we, we come to him and we say, God, you know, here are all these requests that I have. And then that's the life of prayer in our lives. That every morning we wake up and we read through the list of prayer. I'll put you on my prayer list. We got any prayer requests today? And I'll put you on, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Those are good things to have. But if we are stopping there, if that's all we're using prayer for, then we are just scratching the surface of prayer. Our prayer lives can be deep. They can be rich because we are... Um, we are in conversation with our creator. We are in conversation with our savior. We are in conversation with the spirit, the presence of Christ in all things that we do. 
And so if we stop, and, and again, a laundry list of things, of, of requests, we're going to talk about that later. These are not bad things to do. We should get into a routine of doing those things. But it's not the everything of prayer. In fact, prayer is actually the sister practice of the H week, which is hearing God's word. Praying our Bible, reading our Bible, praying God's words, hearing God's words, all of those things are connected. Because if we want to read the Bible because we think we ought to, we're going to be in the same boat as we think of prayer. I need to pray because I, I ought to pray. God wants to hear from me, so I ought to go to him. But if we leave prayer to an ought to be, then we're going to start to despise it. We're going to think of it as a chore. We're going to start to think of it in ways that it wasn't intended to be. And so it's less about duty and more about a desire to know and love God deeper. It's less about duty and more about a desire to know and love God deeper. If our prayer doesn't start at the point of, I want to know God, I desire to be with God, I desire to love God and know God. If that's not where prayer starts, it will always feel like a chore. It'll always feel like it's been tacked on to the end of our day. We pray because we desire to communicate with God. We, we pray because we desire a relationship with God. We pray because God is the first thing we think of at all times. James, in our little reading there, in our scripture, he says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's actually a slightly mistranslated verse. It actually should read instead, the effective prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. So we're talking about prayer being effective itself, not the prayer of a righteous person being effective. It's slightly different, but the Greek points to the prayer being effective of a righteous person will accomplish great things. And that word effective is where we get our word for energy. So an energizing prayer, a prayer of energy, a working prayer. Our prayers are working. They are alive. They are energized. They are energizing and they are ongoing. And I want to point this out to you right now. If you are not energized by your prayers to God, we might be in a bad place. We might be in a place where we haven't actually heard from God, that we might have given God this laundry list of things and said, here's all this stuff. Let me just work my way through each item one by one. That doesn't really make me feel fulfilled. That doesn't really energize me for my day. If we are in the presence of God, if we are using prayer as a desire for God, then we will be energized by that meeting. We will be energized by that communication. We'll be energized and it will work effectively in our lives. So a better translation of effective might be an energizing prayer of a righteous person. But James is also very clear that not only is prayer to be effective, not only is it to be energizing, not only is it to be alive and working in lives, it is also to be persistent Paul writes in a couple places, he says in 1 Thessalonians, pray continuously. But what does that actually mean? Can I pray without ceasing, he says again. What does that mean? That I, I have to always have my eyes closed and my hands 
uh, folded and, and my head bowed in, in a seated position. I just need to continually pray. No, I think what Paul is actually saying when he says pray continuously, I think he actually means persistently. I think he means don't give up in your prayers. Don't stop praying. A persistent prayer and an effective prayer is a powerful thing in the kingdom of God. Let our prayers be persistent. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge said. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Oh, such a biting question from from Jesus at the end. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faithful people? Will he find people in persistent prayer? Will he find people that are bothering God with their incessant prayer? Are they pests? Now, we might think of pestering as a negative But in this case, God is calling us to pester him. God is calling our prayers to be working and antagonistic and persistent and like a gnat that continually flies in your face. These are how our prayers should be. And then at this point, James uses uh, Elijah as an example. He points out that Elijah was just a man like you and I are. He wasn't the son of God. He wasn't endowed with special powers. He didn't um, have this great commission. He was anointed to lead as a prophet. But any one of us could have been that person. He was an ordinary man, and yet his prayers were effective and they were powerful. They were energized and they were persistent. Elijah prayed like a gnat. And things happened. It stopped raining for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the rains came. And so James is trying to encourage us to say, you know what? Just like us, we can pray like Elijah. We can pray just like a normal person would pray. And our prayers are effective. Our prayers can change lives and change the world and change the mind of God. As Moses stood in front of God, he got him to change his mind. There are places where we come into contact with God in the Bible where God's mind seems to change by things that we have said to him. And so the point of this is now we get to learn about some new prayers, to take our prayer life even deeper, to go into some of these better practices as to why we should be praying. Um, and so we're going to look, prayer evolves into in four stages. And so I think that 
we can line ourselves up with one of these things and think this is where I'm at now and I want to take it to the next level. So the first stage is kind of talking at God. It's sort of prayers filled with thank yous and a big, uh, big asks that we might have and memorized graces, things like that, where we come and talk at God and we don't really get much from the conversation. We just expect God to listen and I'm going to bend you to my will, uh, but I want all of these things done for me. That's kind of talking at God. Um, And then the next level is talking to God where we kind of find our own words and we kind of uh, learn about how to dialogue from our hearts about our desires and our needs. Um, That's sort of learning to put our own words into that place of where Others have uh, sort of taught us those things. It's kind of reaching out on our own. And the third level, the third stage of prayer is listening to God. Uh, Understanding that prayer is a dialogue that requires listening to God's thoughts. Now, that's kind of a scary place to be because sometimes we'll pray and then we will listen and we won't get a response. Or people get confused and they're like, well, I prayed and I didn't hear God. I didn't hear God's voice. Does that mean that God's not speaking to me? We won't, we won't always hear an audible voice. In fact, I think maybe one time I've heard an audible voice of God as I've prayed. Answers to prayer or listening to God or God's voice comes through other people or it comes through uh, a feeling in my heart that just I can't get rid of. If I'm going to be a gnat for God, God's going to kind of be a gnat back to me. And there's going to be this persistence of something in my heart that I can't get rid of. I know that this church was God's idea because it wasn't mine. I wouldn't want to do something like this. This is scary. This is big. This is frightening. Yet God persisted in his pursuit of me. And he put it in my heart and I couldn't get rid of it. That's God speaking to you through uh, prayer understanding that dialogue. And so we've got to stop talking sometimes and we've got to start listening to what God says. And that last stage is being with God. This is the basis of contemplative prayer, which is really more concerned about resting in God's presence than what prayer activity is going on. So it's more about what we, where we are rather than what we're doing with God. It's a presence of God throughout our day. And we can really pray without ceasing because we are with God. And we, we stop our prayers and we, we, we say, God, here I am. Speak to me. And we just sit and we rest. And we just dwell in that presence with God throughout the day. It's a very different approach to what we think of in prayer. It's a very different approach to Here are my requests. Here are the things that I need from you, God. Heal this. Do this. Show me your way. And then we stop talking and we just sit and be with God in his presence. And so we want to learn how to take our prayers deeper. How can we just do a a prayer in our lives every day? How can we um, encourage prayer? And I have done this prayer for a long time. It's the acts model of prayer. And so each letter stands for something and the A in acts stands for adoration. So as we're praying, we open up with adoration of God, who he is, his character, his plans, his purpose. We might pray something like, Father God, we are, we are just so in love with who you are. 
You have shown us who you are. We know who you are. You are a God who loves us, and we are thankful that we can know who you are. God, we, we see your ways in everything that we do. God, we know that you are here with us in, your, in our presence. God, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for showing up in all of those ways. That's adoration. That's the way we can open a prayer to God. And the C in Acts is confession. And so after we have, after we have uh, given God uh, adoration, after we have adored God, we can confess to God. Confession of anything in us that has broken relationships or naming anything in our lives that would hinder serving God in prayer. So we might say something like, um, God, this week as I was so far away from you, there was moments of doubt. There was moments that I didn't trust you, and I'm sorry for that. God, I confess to you that there are times where I didn't understand the things that were going on, and so I wanted to do them in my own way. God, there were times where I, um, where in my heart I, I told untruths, I lied to people, I didn't say the right thing to them, I, I, um, I brought you a, a bad name in the community. And so we confess those things, anything that breaks our relationship with God, anything that breaks our relationship with people around us. And the T in Acts stands for thanksgiving. So thanksgiving for God's presence, blessings, word, goodness. And we might say something like, uh, God, I thank you for that moment that I felt your presence this week. I thank you for that moment that you brought me through there when I was feeling frightful, when I had fear in my heart, when I was doubting. God, thank you for giving me trust God, thank you for the faith that I have. Thank you for the faith of my family. Thank you for on and on and on. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for whatever. And these are adoration, confession, thanksgiving. And finally, in Acts, we do supplication. Supplication is just a word that means supply. It's asking for something. Supplication uh, for things in our world, for ourselves, for those whose lives are closely linked to ours. So in supplication, we might say something like, God, um, I'm just asking earnestly, I'm asking in faith, I'm asking in prayer, God, that you can provide the things that I need this week, that the things that are so close to my heart, the things that I desire, help those things to become uh, needs, not wants. Help the things that you want become desires for my heart. Um, God, uh, I just pray for my um, son this week who is sick. I pray for my neighbor whose, um, whose mother is, is sick. Um, these are supplication prayers. And so in those prayers as we are going through our day, find a way to hit all four of those. Take your time. Work through them. You can do one at a time. You can do one um, all together. You can do it uh, for one minute. You can do it for an hour. Find a rhythm that works for you in your life. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. All of those things together will make your prayer life energize. It will come alive. This is now starting the dialogue with God. And so now uh, I want to talk a little bit about different types of prayers that we can do. So this is kind of an overall uh, day in, daily prayer that we can confess to God and we can think about. And so I want to talk about in our practices uh, different types of prayers. Um, and so 
these will be maybe new to you, which is good because we want new ways to pray. We want to learn about how to pray um, various things. So the first one is called breath prayer. Um, And that's just a really simple prayer. And it comes from Nehemiah where Nehemiah was called in front of the king. And um, the king says, what do you want? And then the next phrase says, Nehemiah prayed, he prayed to God. And then just in that breath, in that moment, then he starts speaking to the king about what he wants. And so a breath prayer is just two parts. It's a breathe in and a breathe out. And so when you breathe in, you're going to breathe in a name, like the name of God, whatever, whatever you want to pray to. So you say, Holy Spirit, you breathe in, and then you breathe out your desire. So Holy Spirit, be with me today. That's a breath prayer. And we can do that throughout the day in just those little moments where we're overwhelmed. We say, Jesus, help me find strength. And we center our lives in the rhythm of our breath, the rhythm of our breathing. The breath of God has given us life in Genesis. And so our breath again can speak to God and we can center ourselves back into who he is through that process. God, have mercy on me. And just in those moments, we can center ourselves and slow things down and capture the rhythm of our day and our breath with God. And the next one is contemplative prayer. Um, And contemplative prayer is not so much about uh, an action and doing, but more uh, about a place and our posture and our openness to be with God. It's a posture of openness that when we pray, we can take things and contemplate them. We can think about them, that we're not necessarily always just looking to do something and find a result of something, but we can just think about faith. One word might come to our mind. And so all day long as we're contemplating that, we'll just, God, what is it that you're speaking to me about faith? And we allow God to dwell in that moment. We allow God to enter into that space. God, what is it that you want me to think about fear today? God, speak into my life about fear. God, why am I frightful today? What what is causing me anxiety? What is causing me to be closed off? God, speak to my life this morning about that. And so thematically, all through the day, we're thinking about why is this anxiety here, God? We continue and go in that posture of openness to say, God, give me something. Let me know what that could be. The next is fixed hour prayer. This is an ancient practice. Um, The word vigil, you know, we go to a candlelight vigil for someone that we're remembering. Uh, We get the word vigil from the practice of fixed hour prayer. In the Catholic Church, the Latin rite of vigil was the last prayer of the day, the one right before you go to sleep. And so there are, uh, I think, nine prayers through fixed hours. There's one when you wake up, there's one when you go to sleep, and then there are prayers at certain times, six, uh, nine in the morning, noon, three, uh, six, and nine. And um, this practice of praying the hours of the day 
allows you to stay centered with God in those times. We find those moments and we set aside, we maybe set an alarm on our, on our phone. Uh, it's six o'clock. I've got to pray right now so that I can just stay centered with God in this moment. The first thing I do when I wake up is pray. The first thing I do, right, or the last thing I do right before I go to sleep is pray. Now, don't try and start with all the prayers. Don't, don't do that. What you should do, though, is find one, one time during the day, set an alarm, and make yourself pray at that time. Maybe pick the noon, maybe pick the three o'clock. Find a time that works for you, maybe during your lunch break, maybe something where you're not too busy, and set that time aside for a prayer. It is not an hour of prayer. It is a prayer at a fixed hour. So this prayer at three o'clock could be just something very simple like, God, thank you for getting me through this day. Uh, Thank you for your presence that was felt today. Thank you for whatever. And we just want to center ourselves again back in prayer. Um, And I've always found the practice of praying at fixed hours to be um, sort of uh, energizing as well. That it gives me the power just to sort of say, I'm stopping the world. I'm stopping what I'm doing. I'm living now in the moment and being present with God and stopping whatever it is that's around me. And I'm coming into God's um, place here, his realm, and joining him in those things that he's already been doing. Uh, Intercessory prayer. It's a big word, but I think you know what intercessory prayer is, to intercede in something. A lot of the Psalms are intercessory prayers. Um, These are prayers of supplication. These are prayers of asking, of standing in front of, and interceding for that person, um, and praying those things, like praying for the health of someone, or healing of someone, or the community. You're standing in between the community and God and saying, I'm praying for this thing. And that's an intercessory prayer. And these can be quite powerful. We can read through the Psalms and see what happens when we pray intercessory prayers. Um, Things that we want to be healed on ourselves, think about that now in an outward manner. So as we're praying intercessory prayers, um, usually our prayer warriors in our lives are our intercessory prayers. They are ones standing in the gap between what's happening and, and where God is, and they are bringing those things together. Um, And then uh, finally, we'll talk about a lament prayer. Um, I don't think we lament as often as we ought to. I really don't. I think that when we're feeling sad, when we're feeling angry, when we're feeling upset, lament is just a prayer of emotion where we can go to God with all of those things that we have and say, God, I am angry about this. I uh, I am sad about this. And we can pour out those feelings. Um, the Psalms are filled with laments. Think about David losing his son. Think about um, the, the warriors that have surrounded him. Think about all of those people that he's lost. Think about all of those times where he didn't feel close to God. Those are laments. Those are places where he has um, unburdened himself of those emotions, of that anger, of that place where he's coming to God and saying, I am angry about this. You can do that. You can do that. God can handle those conversations. God can handle those emotions. Pray those laments over that and see how it changes your emotions. See how it changes your life. See how God can come closer to you in those moments. 
Now, we talked about various types of prayers. Let's talk about very specific practices of prayers that we can introduce in our lives. The first one is fasting. Um, Fasting is not necessarily a type of prayer, but it is a practice that allows us to pray um, better and at, at, um, in, in really a, um, a high level, an intense level. Um, fasting and prayer always go hand in hand. Uh, if you are fasting and not praying, biblically you're not fasting in the correct way. So when we fast, we should pray. Um, fasting is a practice that's kind of gone away from the church, but it is an important thing because it allows us to um, sort of get rid of the things that we are um, desiring here on earth, some of the things that we want, and it gets us instead to point to Christ. It gets us instead to rely on God for those things. Um, Practically speaking, if you're going to start fasting, uh, don't do a long fast. Build yourself up to it. And so maybe the first time you try a fast, just skip dinner and then eat again at breakfast. So you're not going too long without food, um, but you can wake up and break your fast that way. Um, But the idea is that if you've skipped dinner, now you're going to replace that time with worship or reading the Bible, praying to God, um, being able to pray um, with him and doing those things and saying, God, I'm ignoring these functions of my body. I'm ignoring these things that I want. And instead, I'm focused on you. Um, I was called to be a pastor and go to seminary through two weeks of fasting and prayer. And through that process is where I heard from God the clearest in my life, where I just kept saying over and over again, God, let me be your hands and feet. Let me be your hands and feet. And I was fasting for two weeks and praying that over and over again. And God showed up and said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to do it this way at this time with these people. And so God shows up in that moment because we are desperate for him. We are desperate for those things to, uh, we're desperate to hear from him and we want to hear from him. And we're shutting off that other part of us and saying, I'm going to fast through this time and um, we're going to see what happens. Um, So, Start out slow when you fast, and that sounds weird. Start out uh, slow while fasting, and then uh, build yourself up to something longer. The next one is a prayer partner. Uh, This is really important, too, and we think of our private prayers and doing the individualization of prayers. This is my time. I want to pray just by myself and do my own thing. But having a prayer partner that you can call or meet with to pray back and forth in a conversational manner and through the acts prayer, um, through uh, different types of things in your life, find a prayer partner. Find someone who will hold you accountable, who will uh, pray with you. Um, you can do it over text. Use, use technology to help you stay connected to your prayer partner. It doesn't have to be someone who lives close to you that can show up at a moment's notice. But keep a regular routine of uh, let's pray now together and let's speak back and forth about what our prayers are uh, working in each other's lives. So prayer partner is a huge thing to do. That's a, a place that we can open up our prayers to uh, an even bigger and better time and place. Um, Praying scripture, this is another good one to do. If you're not in this practice, this is a great way to start. Um, Just to take your daily Bible reading, just to find scripture, and then just to pray over it through the day. 
And so you can do the uh, globe method where you spin the globe and just put your finger down. You can do that with the Bible too. Like it's all God's word. So you can just flip through the pages and put your finger down and you'll find something. It may not be super relevant to you because you might like land in like Song of Solomon or something like that. So be careful with the way that you're doing this. Um, But you put your finger down or through your daily devotional reading, you can find scripture and read that and then find something from that scripture that you're like connected to. Like God is speaking to me through this and pray that scripture through the day. Keep that scripture close to your heart and then listen to why God has brought that to your mind. Listen to, and it might be something different than what you're normally used to. It might be something that you've seen a hundred times before and God's like, no, this is why I've brought this to your mind. The important part is to listen, not to guess why God wants you to think about that, but to listen to why God, this is why reading scripture and prayer go hand in hand. It can't be a chore. It has to be something that we use to understand God uh, even deeper. This is my favorite one of all of them. It's prayer walking. Oh, I love a good prayer walk. Because you walk through the places that you are praying for. So as Miranda and I are walking through our neighborhood, we're praying for the houses that we pass by. We're praying for the people that live in them. We're praying for their families. We're praying that Jesus would come to their life. Jesus, let me be a witness to my neighbors. And so then we can come to the community center and we walk through these doors every Every week, and we'd say a prayer about the ways that we're walking as we're walking through here, we're walking in this building. God, use this space as a place that Jesus can be known to people that walk through here. Or as you're walking in your job, some of you walk a lot in your job, you can walk through those things. You might drive your truck to a particular place and you're praying for that place where you are at now. Prayer walk is such a huge thing. It's such a great thing to do where you're just walking and allowing God to listen in and you're listening to God as you move through a space. Um, We can pray for our communities that way, pray for our neighborhoods that way, pray for people at a hospital that way. If you're going to visit a loved one or you happen to work in a hospital daily, you can walk through the halls and pray for people that come to your mind as you walk through them. Um, That's such a big one for us in our life. These are practices that will help you engage in your prayer life. That'll new ways. I know I threw a lot at you. It was big. But something, you don't have to grab them all. Grab something from it and say, this is what I want to focus on so that I can bring the practice of prayer in my life to a, a bigger level, to a more intense level. Because I want to desire and know God and love God more than I do now. And I can do that through prayer. And any one of those ways of praying is going to open that up to you to know and love God deeper.